James chapter 1, verse 22. This morning's message is entitled, Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing. And let's read what God has to say to us in his word in James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion, it's worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, we pray your blessing on your word by your spirit in our hearts, that we may be hearers of your word that do your word, that we would be effectual doers of your word and not forgetful hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning when I got up, I looked into the mirror and began to adjust the way I appeared so that I might come out into public and be presentable. Uh, I combed my hair, I shaved, put my contacts in, and uh, basically consulted the mirror to see who I really am, and then to adjust that so that I can come out in public and not scare everybody. God's word this morning is like a mirror. It's a mirror that we look into daily to see who we are, to see who God is, and to see who we are in relation to God, and then, by God's Spirit, because Christ has chosen us and saved us, to begin to adjust those things that need to be adjusted so that the image in the mirror would coincide with who we are. The Bible is a mirror, and God calls us to look into this mirror, and to, and to look into this mirror and to obey what it says we need to do to adjust those things that need to be adjusted as we go out into public so that we're not deceived. You know, sometimes when I look into the mirror, literally this happens to me, especially recently, I I will look into the mirror and I'll think, oh, I've got to shave. And I'll get busy, don't ask me how, I'll get busy doing something else, brushing my teeth, and I'll forget to shave. So I'm walking out of the bathroom downstairs, I'm getting all ready for church, and I'm thinking... I've shaved. I mean, you know, the mirror told me I need to shave. I'm thinking, I shaved. Particularly by Sunday, you know, maybe I haven't shaved Saturday. You know, it's getting a little scruffy looking. I think I've shaved. I think I look a certain way when I get out in public. Everybody's looking at me going, what's up with Al? Why why did he shave? Even worse, sometimes I forget to comb my hair. Yeah, I know. I'm over 50 now, this happens. So I'm deceived. I, I think I've seen what I need to do, haven't done it, I go out into public. Here's the funny thing. I think I'm a certain way, deceived. Everybody else sees that I'm not. So, so this word, 
This word is a blessing. It's, it's God's mirror. It's God's mirror to reveal to us who we are, but not just who we are, who God is. See, what, what's so beautiful about a mirror, this mirror, is that it reveals to us who we are in relation to God. It reveals, it reveals who Christ has made you to be. Now, that's, that's by faith for some of us, particularly in some areas. It reveals us to be the new creations that Christ has made us to be. It reveals God to be a good God. The, the mirror of God's word reveals God to us so that we have right thoughts about God. Not hard thoughts about God, but right thoughts about God. And so as we consult this mirror every single day, we're conformed into the image of who we are. So I want you to be clear about something. This Bible commands you to do things. You're to do the right thing. The right thing is what this Bible says. But you're not to do the right thing to try to get right with God. No, no, no. The very Bible that commands us to do the right thing, it tells us that God has made you right with himself. So now that you're right with God, he's saying now do the right thing. Be who you are. You know, conform to the image that you see in the mirror. The mirror tells you who you are in Christ. So conform to that image. So it's not trying to, to do a certain thing so that you gain God's favor. You have God's favor. That's what this mirror tells you. That's what this Bible tells you. Now, having God's favor, being made in the image of God, now be who you are. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. So let's, let's drop into this passage here. Let's look, let's look at what the Word says about doing the right thing. What it says about who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. As it says there in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he does. So, do the right thing. First point, don't be a hearer who forgets God's word. Don't be a hearer who forgets God's word. There is... There is, there is a deception that we're all born with. It is the deception of this. Because I think something, because I intend something, then I have become that. And the Bible, the mirror says, no, Al, that is not who you are. You need to shave that part of your face. You need to comb your hair. Because you think that you are, but you're not yet. So don't be a hearer who forgets. See, God's burden, his purpose for us in this passage is that we would be doers of his word and not hearers only who forget the word. So God, God gets the mirror and he, and he says, hey Al, take a look at the mirror. In your heart, you want to be a hearer only who forgets. May this word cause you to be a doer who acts. A doer who acts. A doer 
who acts upon the word of God. You see, God's word reveals two things. Who we are and our needs and who God is and his redemptive purposes. So, so every scripture gives me a, a fallen condition focus. It gives me, it gives me, it relates to my condition. And it gives God's intended redemptive effect. So, for example, I read the word, I look in the mirror, I preach this last Sunday. James 1, verse 20 says, the anger of man never accomplishes the word of God. So I look in the mirror and I said, that's right. The anger of man never accomplishes the word of God. And then later in the week, I get really angry at a mechanic that I think is taking me for a ride and taking $400 of my money because he didn't fix my tie rods properly. And my car is shaking as I'm going down the road. What happened? What happened between hearing the word of God, the anger of man does not fulfill the righteousness of God, and forgetting it and failing to do it when I was at the mechanic shop. I forgot. I forgot. I was, I was a hearer who forgot God's word. But God then comes in Christ and he says, no, look at God's word. Let God's word move in your heart. Let the reflection of who you are, let the reflection of who God is change your life. You see, hearing and doing God's word leads to blessing. You see that in verse 25? Hearing and doing God's word leads to blessing. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So what the word of God tells me is this. Look into that law. Look into the law, the perfect law. Look into it intently. As a matter of fact, the New American Standard Bible really inserts that word intently in verse 25. It's not just the one who looks into the law, but the one who looks into the law intently. The perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. So, so what, what did I fail to do when I looked at that scripture that says, the anger of man does not accomplish the will of God. I failed to look at it intently. Uh, there's, a, there's a program called The Amazing Race. And these people race all the way around the world. And the winners of The Amazing Race, there's many teams, they win a million dollars. So every week, they do a leg somewhere in some nation. And a key feature of The Amazing Race is this. They race to a place, and they've got this little box. And in the box, when they open it, they have a clue. And so they open the clue, and that clue has, tells them what they need to do and where they need to go. And if you've ever seen the, the show, the people that are reading that clue are reading it very intently. I mean, they are studying it. They, it's almost this idea, really, of the Greek. There's someone bending over something and peering into it very... What, what does it say? Hurry up, what's it saying? What did it say? What's that word mean? What's that clue say? Because they know what's at stake. A million dollars. We are to read the word, look at it intently according to verse 25 so that we don't forget it. We're to study it intently. We're to, we're to analyze it. We're to figure out every single clue in there so we do not forget it. Looking intently into the word of God as well means looking at it so that we would obey it. Those people in the amazing race, when they read that clue, they not only have to understand what it says, but then they have to be willing to do it. They have to be willing to do it. They look into it 
willing to do it. Recently, the NFL had their draft, and uh, Tim Tebow, who's the quarterback at Florida, was drafted in the first round to the surprise of many people. His throwing motion would not be what some people say is a pro-style throwing motion. His, his offense he ran was not a pro-style offense. And so the Denver Broncos drafted him in the first round. And when they, asked, when they asked him, why do you think the Broncos took a chance on you? And this is what Tebow said. I told the Broncos that I was going to listen to them and do whatever they asked me to do with all my heart. They know they're going to get my heart and soul and everything that comes with it. This is the attitude we need to have when it comes to the Word of God. This is the attitude that the Word of God tells us that we're to have in verse 25. To look intently into the perfect law with a desire to obey it. With a desire to obey it. Saying, Lord, this, this is my truth. This is, this is what defines me. And I want to come to it with an attitude of giving myself to it wholeheartedly. Who or what are you looking into intently? Yourself? That's the bondage of selfishness. Others' opinions? That's the bondage of of pleasing others. Or God? That's the freedom that the Bible, the Word of God, gives us. Look at what it says in verse 26b. He calls it the perfect law. Excuse me, 25b. He calls it the perfect law. Why is it the perfect law? Because Christ has completed the law. Jesus Christ is the word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And he perfects the word of God, the Bible. So in verse 25b, when it says, looking into the perfect law, this is, this is Christ. This is what God says about us. And then notice what it says. It's not only the perfect law, it's the law of liberty. God's, God's, God's word is perfect because Christ perfects it. It's the law of liberty because it sets me free. It tells me who I am. It sets me free from sin and Satan and self. The law of liberty enables me to do the right thing, to be who I am. And then notice what it says at the end of verse 25. Who perseveres, and being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Persevering, folks, I believe what that means. That means means hearing and staying with it, and saying, God, this is what the word says of me. This is who I am. I'm going to believe you through seasons of uneven obedience. And even through seasons of open disobedience. Don't quit. Don't give up. God is with you. His word is perfect, and he will set you free from the bondage of sin and self. God promises in verse 25 to bless you if you hear and do his word. That's point number one. Point number two, not only are we not to be hearers who forget, but we're to be doers who act on God's word. Be a doer who acts on God's word. Friend, you are either a doer or you're deceived. There's no in-between place. If we hear God's word without doing it, we're deceived. It's like me thinking, I need to shave, but I don't actually shave and I walk out thinking I've shaved, I'm deceived. I'm deceived. So you're either a doer or you're deceived. And and, and being deceived, there's a word for that. It's called being a hypocrite. 
Yeah, hypocrisy is the act of persistently professing beliefs, opinions, virtues, feelings, qualities, or standards that are inconsistent with one's actions. Hypocrisy is thus a kind of a lie. It's when we don't consult the mirror adequately. Now, we're not hypocrites if we fail to obey perfectly. No, we are hypocrites if we think we are more mature than we really are because we've simply heard the word. Uh, there's, this, there's this great story I read oh, of a hypocrite. This is so close to being me that you might as well just think this is you, Al. A fellow was sitting at a stoplight. The lady in front of him was going through papers on the seat of her car. And when the light changed to green, she did not go. She was reading the papers. And when the light turned to red, she had still not moved. The gentleman behind her, with his windows up, began to scream and beat on his steering wheel. His expressions of distress were interrupted by a policeman, gun drawn, tapping on his window. Against his protests of, hey, you can't arrest me for hollering in my car, the officer arrested him and ordered him into the back seat of his patrol car. After about two hours in a holding cell, the arresting officer advised him he was free to go. The man said, I knew you couldn't arrest me for what I was yelling in my own car. You haven't heard the last of this. The officer replied, I did not arrest you for shouting in your car. You see, sir, I was directly behind you at the light, and I saw you screaming and beating your steering wheel, and I said to myself, what a jerk. But there's nothing I can do to him for throwing a fit in his own car. Then I noticed the cross hanging from your rearview mirror and the Jesus is coming soon bumper sticker and the fish symbol. And I thought to myself, this man must have stolen that car. <laughs> That's a person. Sad to say, if you would have been if you would have been at the mechanic shop when I was being angry at them, you would have think, who is this imposter? This is, this is identity theft. <laughs> this is a Christian? Doing God's word prevents us from being hypocrites, deceived, deluded. Look at verse 26. What does it mean then to do the right thing? What does it mean then to obey God's word so that we don't get arrested for driving a stolen car? Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Pay attention now. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, do you want to know what you look like? First of all, do you want to know what this says about who you are? Or do you want to persist with your opinions of who you are? That's the first question. Do you want to know what this says about who God is? Or do you want to persist on your opinions of who God is? So that's the first two questions we need to answer. May this mirror reveal who you really are. May it reveal how you need to change. And then may you trust the God that it reveals to give you the grace to change. You don't have to change yourself. He will change you. You need to participate, but he will change you. He accepts you. He loves you. You cannot earn his approval. You have it in Christ. That's what this tells me. But having his approval, do the right thing. Now, 
accepting those things. What does this say that a Christian does? What does the Bible say is the mark of a Christian? It's surprising. You know what the first thing it says is? Control your tongue. Ouch. Or as one of my children used to say after we administered the, uh, the, the Board of Education to the Seat of Learning, owie, 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 owie. <laughs> I still remember that. Owie, 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 owie. Friend, the Bible in verse 26 says this. If you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, you deceive your heart. This thing right here. The, the, wor- the Greek word for bridle means bridle. And the idea is this. You have 1,500 pounds of muscle and bones and this huge animal that's powerful. And you've got this little thing in its mouth. You control it. Oh! The tongue is like a 1,500-pound horse that if you don't bridle, will take you on a ride that will bring destruction to you and others. And if you can't control your tongue, you not only haven't shaved, you not only haven't combed your hair, you haven't brushed your teeth, you got all kind of nasty stuff hanging off you, man. You just, you may think you're looking good and you're coming out, people are going, what is wrong with you? Control your tongue. Control your tongue. And, and, and actually, James's galloping horse metaphor points to really one little group of, of, of sins of the tongue. You know what that group is? Critical, judgmental, self-righteous speech. Oh, my. It's, it's the speech that I engage in when I yell at the television when a certain person would come on and tell me their opinions. It's the speech that we utter when we criticize our children and spend more time correcting with a critical heart than commending with a caring heart. It's the little things. It's the little comments. I mean, I love to people watch uh, on Monday, last Monday, um, took Melinda out for our last date. Ah! My daughter's getting married in two weeks. I said, all right, baby, last date. Where is Melinda? Are you around here, Melinda? Are you back with David? Why are you sitting with him? <laughs> it's her fiance. And by the way, his parents are here, Jack and Susan Bush. Welcome, guys. Yes. So we're on a date, and we just we drove to Aventura Mall. Have you ever been to Aventura Mall? That is a wild place. I mean, South Florida's wild. Aventura Mall, we saw, like, Russian supermodels walk by. Sadly, yeah, I wasn't looking, okay, but very little clothing. And literally, right behind them, Palestinian women in full burqas. Of course, you know, your Latin people that are just Latin people, that's us. Good old all-American folks, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of elderly Jewish folks, Haitian Americans. I mean, it's like the United Nations. So we love to sit there and just people watch, you know? Have you ever made calls? You know what making a call is? When someone looks like someone you know, right? Oh, that's Marshall Stoy. Oh, look, that's Roberto. My going to go you know? And so, yeah. And so you make calls, right? So, so we love, we love to do that. That's people watch. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But here's what, where that can degenerate into. You start looking at people and you say, you know what? She, she doesn't say hi to me at church. And, and she's kind of, she's kind of, you know, a little bit maybe stuck up or something. And you know what? He, I, I don't like it when he does this. People watching can degenerate into being critical, slanderous, self-righteous. Oh, friend, we, that's not who we are. Let's look in the mirror. That is a big old nasty something hanging off your face <laughs> that you either need to shave or scrub off or put some makeup on or do something. <laughs> Cover up that thing, okay? With the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you get all crazy on you on that one. <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Luke 6.45 tells us something about this. Turn to Luke 6.45 for a second. We're going to camp on these last three, okay? Because these are important. This is, this is application time. Luke 6.45 says something about the tongue. This is what it says. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So you know what this is? This is a mirror. When you get up in the morning and you look at it and you go, you know what? I can no longer say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. That's not, it's not really what I meant to say. No, it is. And when you said it under pressure, it revealed what's in your heart. A friend of mine once told me that our hearts are kind of like a barrel, big barrel, wooden barrel. And when you kick it, bam, life hits you hard. Whatever's inside the barrel will come out. If it's filled with pickle juice, sour, nasty pickle juice comes out. If it's filled with honey, sweet honey would come out. So, so controlling our tongue is a mark of being a Christian. That's who you are. Do the right thing because Jesus has saved you because God has made you right with himself. Do the right thing and control your tongue. One other scripture I want to share with you in this light is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. These would be great scriptures maybe to jot down in your notes and to study later on so that you don't deceive yourself, friend, and think that you're more than you are. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. Let no... Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give what? Grace to those who hear. You want to know what true religion is? Do you want to know what it looks like to do the right thing because God has made me right with himself? Now what I should do because I'm right, I'm a child, I'm a son, I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a, a saved person, I'm a Christian. 
means controlling my tongue. Remember what we talked about last week? In, in, in James 1, it says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then it says, the one that I violated, the anger of man never fulfills the, the will of God. Bible says, keep this thing shut. Keep these things open. And don't get angry. Control your tongue. Do the right thing. Now, look at verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So now the second mark of a Christian, the second thing that we're to do if we're to do the right thing is this. We are to care for the weak and the poor. We're to care for the weak and the poor. We're to care for the weak and the poor. Now, this this passage uses the term orphans and widows. And the reason for that is that orphans and widows were the most helpless people in the Jewish society, particularly in the first century. Their distress... Literally, the pressure they were under came from their desperate need of food and clothing. And so James here uses them to represent all who are in need. So what God is saying is this. Do the right thing. Be who you are. Look in the mirror. Adjust yourself according to what the mirror says. A, control your tongue. B, care for the poor and the needy. Oh, my. This this hits us, doesn't it? I mean, we have some great examples of this in our church. Heartbeat of Miami, which is having their annual banquet this Thursday night. Desi and I will be going to that. Is a ministry that we support that cares for the poor and the needy. The woman who is pregnant and is considering an abortion, and they offer an alternative. And many times these women come very poor, very needy, very few skills in how to parent, very afraid, very, very afraid. I think of those in our church that have adopted. We, we have our own, the Mendez family. And God put it on their hearts years ago. Gave them a conviction about children and about adopting. And, and recently, they've adopted two little girls, Kylie and Kayleen, at great personal expense. I mean, they had to get personally involved to care for the poor and the needy. They actually traveled to China for one of the adoptions. I don't think you can travel to China for free. I'm not sure, but I think it costs you something. But they're doing it. I think of the George family. It's amazing to me. Here they have a son who's just turned 11, if I get that right, all right, who's battling cancer, has been battling it for over a year. He's fighting the good fight. He's winning the fight. God's healing the boy. But you can imagine the pressure. And then just recently, a need came up. Dawn's sister, for various reasons... Won't go into the details of it, but she can no longer care for her little seven-year-old um, uh, boy and three-year-old girl. And so Chris and Don drove up to Gainesville and said, Judge, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'd like to take the children. They now have six children in their home. They don't know how long this is going to last. You see, caring for the poor and needy doesn't mean that you feed the world. They're right next door. They could even be in your family. Oh, yeah, care for the poor and needy. Need to shave. Okay, don't shave. Don't give. 
Don't really put myself out. I've done it. No, you haven't. Dude, you got like a five-year growth on your face, man. <laughs> Every day you look and say, I got to shave, and you never shave. See what I'm saying? The Bible speaks to us. Care for the poor and needy. One more illustration. I, I think, I don't know if she's here. I certainly don't want to embarrass her, but I think of uh, Esmeralda. And uh, I'm looking for Joanna. Is she here? Is Esmeralda here today? Yes. Where are you? Are you pointing? Where, where is Esmeralda? She's with the baby, so she's not here. Great. I don't, I don't want to embarrass her at all, but she's a friend of Joanna's, and, and the, the Abeg home group and several members in that home group have just taken care of this mom who just gave birth, single mom, put on a baby shower for her, Ugh. got personally involved. Okay? So what am I saying? To care for the poor and needy, we're not talking about, you, we can't feed the world, guys, but you maybe can feed your neighbor. You maybe can open your house to a family member. Look in the mirror. What does it say to you about who you are and who Christ is in you? And third, third thing that the Bible says, and this is the really concluding point there in verse 27, it says to keep yourself unstained from the world. To keep yourself unstained from the world. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the third mark, the third thing that this word says, when I look in the mirror, it says, this is who you are, Alpino. You're a man who bridles his tongue. You're a man who cares for the poor and the needy. And you're a man who keeps himself unstained from the world. Now, what does that mean, unstained from the world? What it's saying there is this that the world has a way of thinking apart from God. The world has a way of going after things without considering God at all. It's kind of like a smoke that hovers over us. It's kind of like a false reality that surrounds us. It's kind of like a fog that envelops us. And what, what, what James and what God is saying is this, don't be stained by the world. Don't allow the world's way of thinking to dominate you, to stain you. I, 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 this is a great uh, entry in our Palm Vista Facebook site. Thursday was Earth Day, last Thursday. I love this entry. Celebrating Earth Day is good. Celebrating new heavens and new Earth Day is better. I like that one, man. So what is that point being made here? Here's what it's being made. You're stained by the world if in your little decisions in life you are making them with the world and its realities more real in your mind than heaven and Christ's realities. See, being stained by the world is, is when, when I don't look away, but I indulge the lustful look. It's when I don't bridle my tongue and engage in an angry, sharp, sarcastic word with whomever. It's when, it's when I don't say no to that materialistic purchase that I know is wasting God's resources. It's when I don't say no to the complaining heart that simply exhibits unbelief. Being stained by the world is imbibing, drinking, participating, being motivated by what the world says is important. That's a stain. Now, here's the good news. What does this word teach me? It teaches me that the blood of Christ removes that stain. It's called repentance. And it gives me new life. 
Oh, let, let, let me conclude with that point right there. Because you can hear this message and say, Al, the message is entitled, Do the Right Thing. Al, you're talking about bridling my tongue, caring for the poor and needy, and not being stained by the world. I can look at that and think, fail, fail, fail. Al, I, I'm sick and tired of looking at this thing. We can, we can kind of be like the witch doctor that this missionary encountered in the jungle, in the Amazon jungle, and, and the missionary was, had a little mirror up and was shaving himself. And the witch doctor came up and looked in the mirror and saw his hideous face all covered with markings and bones and piercings, and it was, it was disgusting. He'd never seen him, and he jumped back. He says, he basically started negotiating with the missionary, I'll, I'll give you whatever, I just want to buy that mirror. And the missionary said, no, 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 it, it's, I need that to shave. I need, and, then, and finally the guy proceeded, said, okay, you can have the mirror. And the witch doctor took the mirror, he smashed it on the ground, he jumped on it, and he broke it. He says, I wanted to get rid of that devil. You know what we do with this? We look at it. You know what we say? I want to get rid of this devil. We don't realize we're the devil. We look at it and we go, oh, it's revealing something about me that is not, it's not pleasant. Friend, the way that you resolve that is not to throw this away and live like a life according to your opinions. The way you resolve it is you go to Jesus Christ, who in verse 18 of James 1 says, I bring you forth, I birth you by the word of truth. Who in verse 21 of James 1 says, the word, the very implanted word, the word you're hearing me preach to you right now, that you're hearing, that you're going to apply this week with your family, that word saves you. This Bible says, listen, I died to change the devil into a saint. I died so that you would not only see your sin in this word, but that you would see that you're saved, that you would have hope, that you would live for something bigger than you, and not just you, but your family and your friends. This is our hope. Don't destroy the mirror. Let it reveal to you the Savior. And then, having seen the Savior, fall to your knees and say, Oh, I will look at it every day. I will trust you. You're conforming me into the image of Christ, who is the word of God. And one day I'll be like you. I trust you. Consult it every day. May this be your life. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. The mirror that proceeds from the mouth of God, the revelation of God. Let it reveal who you are, but oh friend, much more important, who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. And let it thrill you and change you. That's the intended redemptive effect of this sermon. Oh yeah, it reveals the fallen condition of your sin. But oh far greater, it reveals the redemption of your Savior. Jesus, the Word of God. Oh, I pray that this sermon would cause you to love the Word. Peer intently into it. Be an effectual doer, not a forgetful hearer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us hope that we are not stuck with the image in the mirror. Lord, that you change us. Lord, that you redeem us. Lord, that you turn us into the image of your son, the word of God. Lord, I pray that my friends would have heard this message today and that there would be by your spirit 
the intended redemptive effect of loving your word and reading your word and desiring your word. Even as last week, I know that Romello was so excited about receiving that study Bible and he and Michelle have been studying it this week. Lord, may that be our, 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 our heart toward the word. Excitement. Excitement. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. A mirror into our soul, but far greater, a mirror reflecting your image, your salvation, your greatness. Oh, Father, thank you that you reveal yourself to us through this word. And give us hope. May there be hope in my friends' hearts this morning. Lord, it is time to live a life obedient to you. That's our desire, to live a life obedient to do, to do the right thing. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song.